so Nate, you've got a drill. Yeah, I've been drilling uh, in, in the garage like a dad. Anything in particular or just whatever you uh, can find? <laughs> all sorts of stuff. Um, medicine bottles, actually. Uh, right. Right? <laughs> the, I'm, I'm making them into tank tracks. Why? <laughs> well, so I've been uh, I've been doing some some Warhammer, and when I was when I was a kid, um, what I always wanted to do was make a big, really stupidly big truck for some orcs. Uh, so I've been I'm, I'm making a truck as big as my cat. Um, <laughs> And I bought myself a drill, and I bought myself a cord, a corded rotary tool. Um, Ooh la la! Yeah, and it's well. I also, as as Matthew knows, uh, I <laughs> I bought some Frenchman by mistake. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> okay, so um, there's a there's a thing in um, like model maker called kit bashing where you buy oh you buy things kits. and then you and then you mm. slap them together yeah so i i love buying like sensible world war ii miniatures and then making them into orc disasters and i saw um this lovely french light tank from world war one I. I thought oh, I'll have one of those what a brilliantly low price Uh, and it had this box with this lovely tank with these big eccentric tracks and these two sort of amiable Frenchmen leaning on it and having a galois and, you know, uh, just, you know, generally being in a nightmare of of trench war. And I've got it and it arrived uh, and it was just the Frenchman. <laughs> and their bicycle, <laughs> and I looked carefully at the box, and it said French light tank, crew and orderly, and <laughs> it was they were in a sort of in muted colour, and the tank was in black and white, fading out like it was a ghost. Uh... But you would like. A lot of people on Twitter had to look at this for a while to determine that that was happening and was the visual shorthand for no actual tank, just the men near the tank. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you can, like, maybe they can have a ghost tank. You can make a tank out of, like, like uh, fishing wire. Or, and, and so it's like a... And oh. acetate. So they have a ghost tank. Like Wonder Woman's plane. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but how can I saw that which is not there? Well, how can how can you drill? <laughs> <laughs> how does one drill? I thought. Welcome, listener, to the Electronic Wireless Show. This is episode 172, the best finishing moves in games special. Uh, and this is Rock Paper Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion, uh, which is that of Alice, Alice Bell. And this week, I am joined by Finish Tim. <laughs> yes. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I hope that's not a threat against friend of the show, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know, in Mortal Kombat, where they say finish him, yeah, I'm the voice actor who says that, and my name's Tim, and uh, <laughs> they call me finish Tim in the sound booth because of that. Um, I didn't like it at first, but now I'm kind of on board with it. You've got to lean into it, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, 
Good for you. Glad to have you, Tim. Uh, and also Immortal Wombat. <laughs> I I do cubic poos. Yeah. <laughs> Wombats do cube, cube poos, it's true. They do, yeah. It's one of the first things I learned in my philosophy and ethics classes. Um, Does that mean they have a square butthole? Well, not a hole, a square butt cube. Square, uh, I don't know, what would you even call it? Scientists you know, are such trying a to figure it out. Question. Butt shaft. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is to do with the the muscles specifically at the end of the in their butthole, I believe. Like I think it's normal poo almost all the way down, <laughs> and then it's, and then at the end they squeeze it out. It's, it's like normal a poo square. all the way down, and then it gets wild. <laughs> yeah, one bats after dark. <laughs> mm. Um. Uh, and are you like a really feisty wombat or are you a wombat that lives forever? Just to be clear. There's a lovely, um, like, I suppose it's a meme picture of a wombat where it looks, it's doing like the superhero landing pose um, with like one fist up and sort of crouched down. Uh, that's that's the wombat I am. Right. Love him. The wombat from the meme. Yeah, the wombat from the meme. Oh, that's to take myself out to pasture for that. I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So this week we're going to be talking about the best finishing moves in games, and I'm going to allow Nate to argue why, you know, destroying a castle counts as a finishing move. Uh, <laughs> we've got that to look forward to, I'm sure. Um, but first, as is traditional, as Check in, see how we're all doing. Uh, Nate, we know you've got a drill and some Frenchmen. Um, yes. Matthew, how have you been? Yeah, I've been fine. I've just, I haven't really, I haven't gone on and had any escapades. So I haven't really been out and about too oh, much. No. I've just been inside playing Dying Light 2 for you. <laughs> so, so. <yeah. laughs> Makes it sound like I've chained you in the basement. I mean, and... you kind of have, but... Um, digital basement yeah so that's um yeah that's what i've been up to um uh yeah i've got no sandwich anecdotes i've got no uh, rivalries this week uh the cats okay. haven't done anything interesting you've got um, to have fallow times haven't you because yeah. you've given us like rivalries with olympic swimmers and <laughs> And things like that, you know, it can't be gold. It can't, you know. Well, hit that's, there's, there's, like, there's no like sitcom that runs like all year round. Exactly. And <laughs> I feel like you've had your ten episodes worth, and now it's going to take like a year and a half to write the next season. <laughs> to write to your life. <laughs> yeah. You can borrow my corded power tool to menace that man's car with. We can oh, he's do moved the his most ambitious now. crossover event. Yeah, that would be good, but he he doesn't appear to be there anymore. <sighs> I don't I don't know if he's found a better parking spot or just left Bath, but um, yeah, that one sort of fizzles out to nothing. Uh, Trixie Alberts. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's a show. I haven't really got anything going on this week either. Unfortunately, well, I've not really. I, I think I forgot to mention that happened a few weeks ago. Um, it's not like crazy exciting. We went to see uh play uh called uh the play what i wrote and oh. the, the the gimmick with the play what i wrote is that it always has a surprise guest star in the second half um mm. and it's usually a sort of celeb of some kind um when it was first on in london it used to be like a who's who of like big big london names but this was a uh touring production now so i was kind of curious if they'd sort of downgrade it i was like who are bath's local celebrities who could potentially be called up. And when we went to see it, we had old Charles Dance. That's pretty good. Charles Dance from the Game of Thrones. Yeah. Who was he? He was, he's, he's Daddy Lannister. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Dr. Gold. Tywin. Yeah. 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 So that was, that was pretty good. That was exciting. Because then my sister went to see it. Uh, like a week later and got some super obscure person who was like a bit part in Only Fools and Horses. <laughs> After I was like, yeah, Charles Dance, Charles Dance. I got everyone pumped. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, mate. 
that's the gamble, though. That's the risk you that take. It's the gamble. Well, so we were debating whether to see it on opening night or Friday night. If we'd gone on opening night, we would have seen Tom Hiddleston. Shut up, no. really? The Hiddles. Oh, yeah, Tom Hiddleston was in Bath. <laughs> you could have, yeah, there's always photo. Yeah, it was mad because obviously Tom Hiddleston's got a, you know, mad sort of contingent online who kind of obsess over him. He's, he's that kind of level of famous. And the, the you know, there's these Tom yeah. Hiddleston blogs going like nuts about Bath because <laughs> he was here. And, you know, like, quick, we've all got to go to Bath. We might get a glimpse of the Hiddleston. <laughs> I'm presuming you only find out afterwards who's been in it. Uh, well, you can look it up and see who's been in it. They don't, yeah, they don't, they don't tell you who's, who's going to be in it. Um, I was just going to say, if they, if old, uh, what if they have old Vitamin H on? I oh, yeah. yeah. So there are it, our update on Vitamin H this week is that Henry Cavill's posted uh, a nice picture of his dog Cal, uh, who is an American Akita, a lovely big fluffy dog. Do you think but, he named yeah. it after Superman? Maybe that oh, would be a bit self-referential, did, though. Surely. <laughs> Maybe it's named short for calorie after all the calories he likes to eat when getting swole. On his cheat days, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's posted a bit about some nice some supplements for when you're working out. Um, it's a good work, Henry. Uh, we love to see it. Love to see more pictures of your dog. Um, I'll tell you what, if you're listening to the show, post another picture of your dog between now and next week. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That sounds legit. <laughs> if you're being held hostage by your own vast biceps, post a picture of a dog to let us know. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we'd love to have you on, Henry, to talk about the Warhammers. Um, you know, do you like kit bashing? Would you like to to make uh, some little French orcs and their ghost tank? Let us Do know. you want one of my Frenchmen? We can go halves. <laughs> this is where it cuts to him and he's finished building the French tank and he's like, the only bit I'm missing is, <laughs> is, the, is the support crew. Looks online and it's sold out. Unsheaths <laughs> his actual Witcher swords. He's like, oh, I've got no choice now but to have a support crew of orcs for my historical tank. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah get in touch, Henry. Um, <laughs> do you think he'd like being called Vitamin H? I think that's quite good. Yeah, who wouldn't? Yeah. Who wouldn't? Uh, yeah, I haven't been on any adventures this week either, although I did watch. It's called, like, it's called My Son. And uh, it's a remake of a French uh, film by the same director. And it stars Claire Foy and James McAvoy. Uh, okay. And it, their son gets kidnapped in from, you know, a camp in Scotland or something. And uh, the, the USP for this is that James McAvoy did not get a script <laughs> or storyline. Like everyone else was briefed and given a script and stuff and like told. And then he just had to kind of like... I guess curb your enthusiasm his way through oh. the it's thing. It's not a comedy though, right? No, 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 but it's just like he it's was it... improvising. At, when I know, hear but... improvise, I think, oh, it must be comedy. You know, surely you wouldn't want to see an improvised tragedy. <laughs> that would be well, pretty... it's, 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 I guess it's like a thriller, um, but it's just him <laughs> it's running just around being like... like, what? Where, what's happening? What's happening? That's all I'd be able to think of to say. And everyone would be like, this is really one note. It's just going like, where's my son? Where's my son? Where's my boy? Where's <laughs> my son? Uh, say something else. Uh, have you seen my son? Oh, I don't know. So it's him like talking to the, the cops and stuff. and like, But he must have had some direction. But like, it's just... <laughs> I'd love to see. I just want to see that scenario played out, but with like with a comedian now, just to see what the, everyone else is dead, <laughs> treating it deadly seriously, and you've got like Vic Reeves gooning his way through it. Um, it's one of those things that like is a bit rubbish, uh, but it's sort of worth seeing because you get to be like, did he? Okay, is that him improvising, or was he told to like burn that guy's foot with a blowtorch kind of thing? Um, uh, but it is like it's very it's very thinly plotted. Uh, and I guess that's because they couldn't tell their main actor the plot. So, <laughs> uh, 
what, what was the reasoning yeah. for not telling him though? Just so he was like, you know, responding, you know, naturally. Oh, so it wasn't and, an accident. It it was deliberate. No, it wasn't like they, you know, they couriered him the script and then he couldn't find it and he decided to like, yeah, and I pretend. He, he knew he was he was being taking part in this project. It wasn't like no, um, he wasn't punked. <laughs> was it? Oh, was okay, that? right. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't. They didn't take away James McAvoy's actual son. And then, <laughs> and, then like, and it gets the end. He shoots to kidnap a dead unmarsen, and it's Jeremy Beadle. And he's like, "Oh, oh my god! Oh, I'm so, oh, I'm so relieved. <laughs> I really thought I'd killed someone. <laughs> I like, really yeah, thought I killed someone, but I only killed, I only killed Jeremy Beadle. <laughs> so that's okay." Because he was already dead. <laughs> um, but no, it's very. We're, yeah, we're watching it, going like, "Is this? Did they tell him to do that, or is that him?" But it is a lot of like, "Where's my son?" Um, I, and in one scene, he like attacks his ex-wife's new boyfriend, and we're like, "Did that actor know that James McAvoy was gonna like?" punch him or like <laughs> improvised an attack what well we don't know that's the thing like he said like he said in an interview line, like on the ground not show that he just you know he everyone else knew the plot and had been told you know sort of what to do but he hadn't mm. so then it was like well was he was he told you have to get in a fight with this guy by the end of the scene or did he just decide to start a fight i don't know he but... just decides up every scene he's in he punches someone in the face yeah. and he's allowed to within the rules of improvisation and they just have to deal with it you all signed a release he growls as he <laughs> tell both you've got first the, di- the boom mic operator <laughs> you've got the director like radioing ahead to people who are in later scenes going listen up james mcavoy is gonna punch you in the face <laughs> Like, he's been doing it all morning. He's gone mad. <laughs> <laughs> like one of the dinosaurs. <laughs> like one of the dinosaurs from Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bunch of frightened actors like huddled together in a jeep, and they look fearfully out of the sunroof to see James McAvoy just mincing an iron fence with his hands. <laughs> Joe's McAvoy's like <laughs> nose going up against the glass <laughs> and like snorting. <laughs> James McAvoy in like a, a grand foyer, just throwing back his head and howling his own name <laughs> as a banner falls down, fluttering, saying James McAvoy's gonna fight you. <laughs> that would have been uh... a much better film. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wouldn't catch Henry Cavill doing that kind of nonsense. <laughs> no, not from the vet. That's why Henry Cavill is this show's official celebrity mascot. Um, <laughs> and not James McAvoy. <laughs> hmm. Anyway. Uh, speaking of people getting very angry and uh, screaming and punching things, uh, let's talk about our favourite finishing moves in video games. Oh, yeah. We're not going to be confined to just fighting games, I don't think. Although fighting games will be the the obvious choice, right? But uh, but yeah, why don't we, Nate? <laughs> let's <laughs> let's get this out of the way. So <laughs> let's let's finish the pain early. Um, yeah. Well, you know what? I'm as good as your word. I am. I'm going to go back to a time honored favorite. Age of Empires 2. Because uh-huh. uh, <laughs> you did suggest it could be about destroying an enemy's castle. And I've not actually chatted about Age of Empires 2 for a while. And I did have something that fitted nicely here. Um, so uh, newer listeners um, might not know that I spent quite a lot of um, last year getting really into competitive Age of Empires 2. So me and my friends, Rue and Alistair, used to go on every night, literally every night, um, go on as a three, find three other chumps to fight, 
and do some Age of Empires too. And we're placed with three or four games of an evening sometimes. And so we got really used to the way a game plays out and the sort of the, the rhythms of them. And we ended up with this whole tragic lexicon of <laughs> very specific terms to denote moments in the rhythm of a game of competitive Age of Empires 2. Uh, so we could knowingly say them to each other like army men in a truck. Yeah, so the term I remember from editing your stuff was uh, castling, is that one? Uh, yeah, so ca- castle dropping uh, is, is a great example, uh, which is my favourite thing to do, which is rush a load of villagers up to the edge of someone's base and just build a castle there in double quick time. Kind of like... <laughs> Uh, kind of like Guy Ritchie's Pillars of the Earth, I suppose. Uh, just, <laughs> it's like really violently building a medieval megastructure uh, on someone's turf. Uh, but the the term we would learn um, to get a real icy, slithering sense of dread from was the GG push. Um, so, Game of Age of Empires, ideally... Uh, a team game gets finished pretty decisively fairly early on by someone playing a blinder. But if that doesn't happen, it can go on into what is called the Trash Wars, uh, which is where (laughs) all of the gold on the map and all the wood and stuff has been used up. And so you've just got these exhausted people who've been playing for about three hours just sending waves after waves after waves of the, the cheapest worst units like pikemen and skirmishers who are just men who throw sticks at each other and when you get in the trash wars basically the only way you win is if you can coordinate with your fellows well enough so you're all sending out your big surges of cheap crap pikemen at the same time with the objective of drowning the enemy in a tsunami of yokels Uh, right (laughs) And so we'd be fending off attack after attack. And then Rue would just, you could hear him shake his head sadly. Um, you know, it's sort of like the, the captain of um, a doomed RAF bomber. He'd just say, well, I think this is the GG push, boys. <laughs> and you'd see that the flood of enraged stabmen come in. <laughs> and indeed, all you could do is just type GG and leave. Uh, with a sense of relief but yeah that was that was the gg push <laughs> and there was a real feeling you knew when it had come when it was the one you wouldn't be able to hold off yeah wow. rough, rough that is, so that's that's your one of your or your best finishing move is the gg push yeah which just uh hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pikemen uh God. combined with fatigue <laughs> God, I, I don't have the strength of will to get into Age of Empires, I don't think. Wouldn't be able to do it. Oh, I wouldn't anymore. It was, uh... <laughs> it's a young man's game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about drilling now? <laughs> yeah. And speaking of, uh, I don't think it's picking up, but the shop that the office is above is basically gut- being gutted and redoing its entire ceiling, which means... Oh. That there are occasionally uh, tooth rattling drill noises rising up from the floor below me. That um, um, that shop was very reliable for like weird limited edition chocolates. Ah, uh, like, so good! Yeah, if, I'm if into anywhere the... was going to have like all the the weird. You know, we've done a whisper, but it tastes like broccoli or something. It would yeah. definitely it would definitely be there. Yeah, I'm I'm into the winter spice Twixes they've got at the moment, right, which is yeah. a, it's a Twix, but the biscuit is sort of cinnamon flavored. Very nice. Oh, it's it's. Yeah. I always wonder what the thinking is behind that, where they're like, you know, we're trying this new thing, but we're only going to try it in in quite boutique convenience stores rather than rolling it out across all of Tesco's. It's almost <laughs> like the grand the public at large can't handle it. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, but no, it's good. It's quite easy hours. I get my lunch from there quite often because they have a really grim selection of sandwiches. Um, oh, I like their sandwiches. Would you get us one? Pop yeah, it in want, the post. Do you, want, 
Do you want like a weird hunter's chicken sandwich or the the sort of? Oh yes, that's exactly what I want actually. A uh, drillman's lunch. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what other uh, finishing moves do we want to talk about then? Because I've got I a mean, few. <clears throat> there is going to be a little bit of Mortal Kombat later, but I did I did think it was worth bringing up Mortal Kombat because yeah. um, I was watching a a montage of Mortal Kombat 11 fatalities this morning and kind of cackling at just how ingeniously horrible they are. Um, (laughs) And I've done the same thing, actually. I I know this makes me sound like a horrible man, but I I quite enjoy just watching the compilations of people getting beasted. It's very inventive. Yeah. There's some, there's some really gnarly, gnarly stuff there. And I, I was, I was thinking about, I, I tweeted about, about how you know man it's got to be rough working on this like it's very funny to watch but if like day in day out your job was just to animate these just horrible brutalizations it would be um (laughs) and and then someone because uh, this is twitter and this this is what always happens uh tweeted at me saying well actually yes one of their one of their people uh there was a story about one of the mortal kombat 11 teams basically developing ptsd from working on it um, Crikey. which wasn't so much they said it wasn't so much watching the cinematics it was the fact that they basically surround themselves with all this reference material of like real world violence and that's what Ooh. that's what gets you but there was a bit in this write-up and I, uh, i'm not gonna say it made me laugh but it definitely registered <laughs> with me because the idea someone that they were all talking anonymously and someone who worked on mortal kombat 11 this is I've, i took this quote because you you gotta hear this um one co-worker, for example, told them that the toll of working on Mortal Kombat 11 was eliciting horrible images in real life. And this is the quote. <laughs> when, when he looks at his dog, he just sees the guts inside of it. <laughs> and he couldn't look at his dog without imagining all of the viscera. <laughs> I mean, that's incredibly tragic, but the phrasing... <laughs> I just like the idea that you spent so long making fatalities that you can no longer perceive living creatures as anything other than guts to be spilled. Like, that is just wild. Ogre vision. <laughs> That's horrible. It is horrible. But... It's like you say, no, it's very tragic, but it's phrased and... <laughs> All he could see was guts. It's the partridge phrasing. <laughs> yeah. Let's drop it like a hammer. <laughs> it's like Chris Morris on Brass. I would be like, whenever this man looks at his dog, all he can see is guts. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, it's that, that's, that's the energy that I was laughing at, not the tragedy of a man perceiving his dog as, as guts. <laughs> Where's your dog tonight? Is he safe? Mine's here in the studio. <laughs> but I, I could just, I could just picture someone looking at their dog and thinking, "Nah, I don't, don't want to pet that anymore." <laughs> <Bad> enough. <laughs> it's just guts. <laughs> it's, oh, that's that's all living creatures ruined for me. <laughs> We're all just guts. It's fine. Um, but uh, I'll, you know, I'll be going into some some Mortal Kombat specifics a little bit later, so I won't uh, I won't dig too deep into that. But they are um, they're absolutely spectacular, um, and they've got some really weird little comic touches. There was there was one that I, I watched this morning where the character doing the fatality I can't remember her name, but she has some kind of like force field. That she that kind of pops out of a box. It's a bit like one of those pop up like laser walls, like in Halo or whatever. And she basically punches a hole in someone's stomach, sticks yeah. this laser wall <laughs> device in them, activates it, so the laser wall kind of chops them in half. Um, then then the front half of their body, because they're now perfectly down the middle, yeah. slides down the the laser wall, making like a <laughs> remember that one. sound. And the other half of them, the back half, is still pressed up against it. And their heart is, like, beating against the wall and making this, like, bonk, 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 bonk noise. And I thought, this is horrible, but the heart bouncing off against the the glass or whatever, like, that's the comic touch that I think makes it okay. (laughs) 
See, yeah, um, that that's what I enjoy about them when it's so ludicrous. It's the um, it's like the itchy and scratchy effect. Yeah, where it, it goes so far into the absurd that you can't actually imagine the suffering anymore. Right, and it it you know it's sort of like, okay, this is safe because this couldn't actually happen to someone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's odd because, like, obviously it was Mortal Kombat back in the day that kind of triggered a lot of the, you know, video games are going to make us go around doing fatalities on each other. And now it is just so advanced. It looks so grotesque compared, like, when you look back on those ones and what people were scared and upset by, you were like, that is nothing. Like, that level of violence is in, like, Mario now. And (laughs) everything, this is just, this is so next level. I mean... Wow. Whatever the, the certification process is for those games, I you know, if it's a case of like stick a two if, if it's like eyeballs pop out at weird angles, that'll be funny and then it'll make it okay or something. But <laughs> yeah. The ratings uh, like fifteen, eighteen, you'll see your dog as guts. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that guy doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I hope he's okay now. I hope he is okay and that he can enjoy his dog again. <laughs> yeah, genuinely with all my heart. <laughs> I hope you can see your dog as fur. <laughs> um, I have, uh, on a similar theme, I was going to talk about Injustice. Oh. Um, which was, I haven't played Injustice 2, but the first Injustice had some really good and funny fatalities and final, well, not fatalities but like finishing moves super moves i believe they were called um uh and they had side note nice stages as well i think there's one of them is like a pub uh that's supposed to be like a pub in the uk somewhere and it's and it's got little signs on the wall being like pie and mash two pounds or whatever (laughs) (laughs) um but they there's some really there are some rubbish ones um but there are some funny ones as well like batman um, like calls in the Batmobile to run over his opponent. Nice, classic. <laughs> Just like quickly puts his his uh uh coordinates into his special arm and then just gets his car to run his enemy over. Just but he good. makes um, sure that the tank sized armored vehicle on- only non fatally yes. shatters them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very precise yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> The Flash is one is really good because he uh, runs around the world at like top speed uh, and then like punches you <laughs> at super speed. Um, oh, yeah, he's an entire but... world run up to punching you in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And The Flash is Ed Boon's uh, favorite superhero. So I think he he put a lot of, a lot of love into The Flash. Um uh and uh and then doomsday i'm pretty sure it's doomsday one of them anyway it's like doomsday or superman or someone like punches you through the earth like through the planet and out the other side and then back through it again back to the stage that That you were fighting that sounds legit what so like he runs round the earth and the time it takes for you to go through it so he's waiting to batter you back no, well, no, he punches you through it and out the other side. So he's sort of with you, I think. I can't remember exactly. I remember he, he and then he's sort of floating in space the other side with you. And then he he punches you back through it again, I think. Crikerinos. The weird yeah, thing about good. a lot of these fatalities is they demonstrate such an extreme power that you think if you'd used that power just during the fight, there would never have been a fight. You know? Yeah. It's like you hold off your true extent of your abilities just to humiliate someone at the end of the fight rather than during it. Right. I respect like, that. Why would you even punch? Right. Because there's, there's one in Mortal Kombat where like this, that you, you're fighting like a, you know, a human sized lady and her fatality is that she basically grows five times the size of earth, shoots <laughs> a laser out of her eyes. And it's like an orbital laser thing <laughs> that just melts the person in the arena. And you're like, why don't you just do that at the start of the fight? Why even pretend to be interested in <laughs> I'd just be I'd spend all my time as giant five times the size of Earth Lady if I if I had that power. It would be quite lonely though. Well I'd shrink down to you know go to that convenience store under under gamer network yeah. and get the occasional limited edition twirl and then I'd be a, 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 well, a, a, a I'd do I'd get the twirl, 
then yeah. I'd go massive. And would the twirl also go massive? Ooh, interesting. I'd my <laughs> gun to my head, my first instinct would be no. Oh. What do you think, Nate? Oh, now that's if you're if you have the power to go five times the size of the earth, does anything you're holding Because her clothes do as well. Because her clothes do, yeah. Ooh. Could, could you say the twirl is your hat? <laughs> well I've just been thinking. You could solve world hunger just by like you know get you'd have to be a big and brave, but you just go like super massive and then just like cut a tiny bit of your butt off. Oh, <laughs> and then you'd shrink again, and there'd be like this butt steak, <laughs> the size of like Cincinnati. I want to be known oh, yeah. as the person who, like... who who likes who solves who basically solved world hunger by making everyone eat my house. <laughs> it would be like it would be like the trolls in the Hobbit. Like it's all very well, but like you know, eventually everyone will be sitting around going. You know, us today, us <laughs> yesterday, and, and by if we won't have us, you know, tomorrow as well. <laughs> like, well, the the best thing is because you'd be so big when you went massive that when you sliced it off, it would be in space, so it would just go into orbit, and you could like turn the ISS into a butcher's shop <laughs> and like <laughs> clamp it onto it and just have these like rough and tumble crews of space butchers. <laughs> Just carving slices off and chucking them down through the atmosphere. And then they'd cook in re-entry. And you'd have a big airstrip somewhere where just like six times a day, like clockwork, you know, a skyscraper-sized, perfectly seared bit of butt just lands. I'm not... I'm not saying it wouldn't solve a lot of the world's problems. Like you'd probably be able to get rid of like intensive beef farming and stuff as well. But I yeah. am just saying that like like maybe <laughs> uh, you know which surely you'd be like, Oh, is can I have a bit of can I just have like a regular burger? No, you have to eat Matthew's ass again <laughs> every day. There is I'd say there's a huge like PR effort that has to be executed around it to make it okay. <laughs> Just also, the slogan, but wait, <laughs> it's better than you think. <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> I can't believe it's not but. <laughs> oh, it is. So, someone make a video game that's like Deep Rock Galactic, but you're a crew of space butchers <laughs> mining Matthew's arse. Pre- preparing my giant space arse. I'd actually love a game about space butchers. Yes, genuinely, please, someone make that. Mm. Oh, my God. We should make a list of all the games that we've pitched on this podcast and then turn them into actual pitch dogs. It'd be a good game jam, actually. (laughs) Ooh, okay. There you go. We'll put a pin in that. Um, (laughs) uh, Moving on, what else have we got? I <clears throat> I really like the, the, the they're called heat moves in Yakuza, which aren't I, like they're they're more just high powered attacks rather than outright. Oh, are they always finishers? Maybe they do always finish the job. I think if you use them on bosses, you can't one shot a boss with them. But they're like the mad clips you see in Yakuza where he's like smashing a bike over someone's head. Oh yeah. Um, but you unlock a lot of them. They're all kind of context sensitive. So some of them, like if you're hol- if you're holding a salt shaker, you know the finishing move is that you sort of hold a person, you sort of bend them backwards and then salt their eyes. Um, yeah. That's that's quite good. If you're holding a box of nails, you just force feed them a handful of nails. You just push a load of nails in their mouth. And then, oh no! <laughs> yeah, and then then you just punch them in their head as well, just to like <laughs> make sure it's you know. Make sure it's going down, I guess. Uh, Are you not ideologically opposed to the salt finisher, though? Because their eyes should be appropriately salted uh, uh, when served to you. Uh, Interesting. I haven't really thought about condiments as weapons, but um, no, I I think it's fine. But what's interesting in Yakuza is that in the storylines, the character Kiryu is quite noble, and there's a lot of talk about, you know, 
given the choice, the chance to like finish someone off for good, he never will. Like he'll never ever kill anyone. He's a bit like Batman, you know. It would probably, you know, he's he's just sort of he does the decent thing, and that's his sort of story character. But then in the game, he's he's performing the kind of violence which would definitely kill you, you know. Like if you force a person mm. to eat a load of nails, they're probably done for. And he's also very big on like smashing people's backs over like bollards and things which i always oh, think is like oh. i mean you're not walking again after that you know if if, if you haven't killed them you've changed their life forever uh, <laughs> but the game doesn't really want to dwell on that because it's you know they're sort of jolly but I, th- I think basically the street punks get it way worse than like the criminal masterminds at the heart yeah. of the game so imagine an anime me looking at a butterfly and asking, is this dot 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 Ludo narrative dissonance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they're funny, so it's okay. Yeah. Um two that jumped out um from watching montages of these. Uh there's a guy in Yakuza five who knocks people onto the floor and then basically rolls them along the winter floor of Tokyo, I guess, um, to turn them into a snowman. They sort of become a bigger snowball as he rolls them, and then they and then they're a snowman, and then he can throw bits of that snowman and use that as a weapon after he's turned them into it. So that's pretty good. Um, and in Yakuza Six, if you fight someone inside a convenience store, you can punch them into a uh, so they land with their head in a microwave. And then Kiryu <laughs> then tells the guy who runs the convenience store to bake their head in the microwave. <laughs> Which is My another workaround. My daughter threw microwave me last night. <laughs> it's just after dinner, she just looked at me with a, a little dark chuckle and said, I'm going to put you in the microwave, make you all warm. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, based on this game, I would not recommend it because it doesn't end well. But yeah, that one arguably... The death is on the hands of the convenience store worker because they're the one that presses the button. Like you've set it up, it's their choice to go and go through with it. So, you know. Yeah, that's true. He technically didn't kill that technically, guy. Technically, technically. Um, sorry, I've just been thinking about like if there was a giant lump of Matthew's ass orbiting the Earth, we'd get a lot more <laughs> eclipses because <they'd... laughs> and and like would it. Would it interfere with the the moon as well and the tides? Oh, Maybe if it's it not... was big enough to have like, significant gravity. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Stand not... down, matches, boys. It's the butt tide tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's not quite as like romantic or poetic as as the current kind of eclipses are. You know, the idea of the the, the butt eclipse isn't particularly uh, charming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the yeah. eclipse. Humphrey Bogart being like, "What do you want? Do you want the ass? <laughs> just, just say the word, and I'll get the ass." <laughs> Was that Bogart? Was this some... Anyway, um... <laughs> I like the voice. <laughs> anyway, um, other finishing moves. Um, oh, uh, got... little, um, just a lovely moment I remembered from Hitman Three because it's that game's oh, a friend yeah. of the show. Um, oh yeah. Uh, it I, actually this is this is notable for not being a finishing move, but it was uh, the I think the Dubai level where I had you know really 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 aced it, quite as a little ghost, uh, getting up to the the room where the horrid Texan man uh, is gloating over the scale model of a load of oil or whatever, mm. and. I had, I forget what it was, but something extraordinarily killy that I was going to throw at his face. And I was disguised as one of his elite guards. And I walked right up to him. I said, oh, I'm just going to do this Hitman level really smoothly. And then just pelted a banana at his face. <laughs> uh, item equipped. <laughs> it was brilliant then because I was in the middle of a nest of cards having just chucked a fruit at a man. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly a finishing move for me, that was. <laughs> that game has got astonishing finishing moves. Uh, they all have, you know, the kind of the signature executions. In a Dubai, I really like that you can sabotage um, the parachutes and then set off the 
like uh, evacuation protocol. So the two yes. guys just chuck themselves off with broken power parachute, <laughs> fall to their deaths. Um, I like the ones where you have like you aren't even near to them when they do it. Like they just sort of off themselves through some horrible thing you've set up. I like to be kind of sort of like a long dis- sort of domino rally from quite far away. That's my yeah favorite kind of hitman takedown. Um, Dropping the huge tree on them in the Berlin nightclub was a real triumph. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh him. It is uh, good. Very the really sinister one is actually in Hitman 1 in Japan where there's like a bloke there having surgery and there's all kinds of things you can do to kind of like mess with the surgery. You can sort of take over this sort of um, there's like this robot arm. You can kind of slice him up and all that. You know, I think you can pose as the doctor and go in and kind of kill him on the operating table. Or you can just um, like damage or like destroy the the organ he's having transplanted like his heart and you leave the level and he's alive but he just it it counts as a kill because he just because they can't do the surgery and he's going to die of whatever his natural oh, God. thing is yeah. <laughs> oh no yeah, it's really dark oh. <laughs> yeah it's like oh you you leave the level and he, and he's just doomed <laughs> like he's alive but doomed jeez like at least replace it with a rustler's microwavable burger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think a doctor would notice if he was if he was putting a rustler's microwavable burger into a man's chest. <laughs> this man has a rustler's microwavable burger for a heart. He <laughs> uh, gets he gets more and more delicious the closer he goes to microwaves. So. <laughs> mm. Uh, yeah, sticking him in a microwave in Yakuza wouldn't work because it would just, oh yeah, you know, make him his final most delicious form. <laughs> Turbocharge him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like when people who can't use microwave when they've got like pacemakers and things. It's like yeah. can't use this microwave if you've got a heart condition. Your heart condition being you've got a microwaveable burger for a heart. Yeah, that happened. That happened. <laughs> Not the microwaveable burger, but my granddad had a pacemaker, and. And it was when pacemakers were new, and actually, I think most microwave like it's fine now. Mm. Um, but it was when pacemakers and microwaves were both quite new. And he stopped in a service station with some of his mates, and they were like, "Oh, let's try out the microwaves," and like microwaved a you know something like a soup or whatever, and uh, it just made him collapse. And then as soon Whoa. as the microwave stopped, he got off again. Really? <gasps> yeah. yeah. Whoa. Apparently, and they were trying to figure out what happened, and then just kept using the microwave. <laughs> uh, so that's quite a good finishing move if you know an old person with a pacemaker. <laughs> Sinister. Um, yeah, uh, I wanted to give a brief shout out before we move on to the cavern of lives, uh, cavern of cavern of lies to uh, Asura's wrath. Do you remember that one? Oh yeah, yeah. The cat it's a while like ago. Mad. Yeah, it's like really over the top, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he's just a real I can't remember exactly what he's angry about. I think it's something to do with his family being dead. He's sort of like Kratos. <laughs> yeah. From for God of War. But when he gets angry enough, he grows extra arms. <laughs> and, mm. and the one I remember, and I think it's even the first boss fight you do, is it's against like this uh again a man who is like about five times the size of the world. And he like is trying to punch you, I think, and you punch his thumb so hard that it kills him. Fantastic! That sounds a gist. Yeah, the th- just out of range. The shockwave like travel through him. I think so. Yeah, and wow. you just have you have forearms. I think at that point, it's good. <laughs> forearmed is forewarned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. But now, without further ado, I think it's time that we head into the uh, the Cavern of Lies. So give me a sting, if you would. The Cavern of Lies. Very good. Very good. Are you, are you right, Sir Anthony Hopkins? <laughs> oh, yes. It was all right. A man tried to end my life. <laughs> but I turned the tables on him. You, uh, we find ourselves in a fighting arena. There's blood all over the walls and floor. We can see half of Tobias Beckford. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, oh. Torn, torn down the middle. Um, 
it, it would appear that you have been entered into the Mortal Kombat tournament. Oh, no. Yes. And uh, but you are on, uh, not only have you been en- you've entered into this contest, but you're, you're already on your last legs. You're both standing there and you're in that kind of wobbly, kind of finish him kind oh, of pose. No. Oh, no. Okay. Have we been fighting each other? Uh, it's not clear. I mean, if you have, you've both done exactly the same amount of damage to each other and ended it in a dual wobbly stage. Oh, no, I couldn't yeah. fight Alice. She'd destroy me. Look, can there just be like a swaggering brute? Well, yeah, he's walking around. He's having a great old time. But basically, um, because I'm a lenient host of the Mortal Kombat tournament, I'm going to let you choose a finisher to be performed on you. Ah, okay. If if you can pick the finisher that does not exist, you will live because obviously it won't happen. But if you pick a real finisher, you will be finished. Okay. Um, So I've got five finishers from Mortal Kombat for you. It sounds like this may be hard because it sounds like you're both very aware of Mortal Kombat finishers. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. I I, (laughs) I think I've actually done this cavern before. Right. Maybe you have. That's what I said to Alice before we recorded. (laughs) But there was a lot on the list. I've done a Mortal Kombat one before, I think. But it's fine. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's it's an annual tradition. Okay. Thank you. That's very gracious of you. Um... Uh, so we start off. This is the first finisher that someone wants to do on you. Uh, the names of these, I don't think the finishers have official names. These are what like the fans call them. So you know, just give you a heads up. Uh, this is Scorpion's Nether Gates from Mortal Kombat 2011. Buy me uh, a drink first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Scorpion, <laughs> Scorpion, he famously teleports around with fiery portals. And in this finishing move, he stabs his rival, he wraps a chain around their neck, and he kicks them through one portal, but then he opens a portal in the air, so when they fall through that, they're hung from the chain. So it's like Valve's portal, but used for a horrible murder. Okay. Um, and to add insult to injury... Somewhere between the two portals, the person he pushes through becomes flayed. So it's just like a load of like muscle and bone. Oh, okay. So you had me up until the flaying. Is that maybe too much? Interesting. Mm. No, okay. it feels like the sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Okay. I'm telling you, these get pretty wild. So, uh, you know. Okay. Cassie Cage's bubblegum head from Mortal Kombat X. Uh, Cassie Cage shoots her opponent right between the eyes and loads of blood starts spraying out of the bullet hole in the middle of their forehead. It sprays all over Cassie as she walks towards her stumbling rival. She then takes the bubblegum she was chewing out of her mouth. She sticks it over the spurting wound and the bubblegum starts inflating into a blood-filled balloon before popping. Absolutely hideous. What an offence to God. Um, <laughs> wow. Carry on. Next up, we have Shao Kahn's Proud Mother from Mortal Kombat 2011. Uh, Shao Kahn's fatalities often involve ripping bits off or people in half. In this one, he pulls off his opponent's head, places it in a box, and then punts it into the air. We then cut to a house where the box is delivered by a mailman, An old lady removes the head, puts it on her mantelpiece alongside a framed photo of Shao Kahn and trophies from his fighting tournaments. What? Okay. Wait, hang on. How many of these are fake? Two of them are fake. Two of them are fake. Okay. So that is Shao Kahn's proud mother. (laughs) Delicious, mum. She's a very sanguine old lady. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Next up, we have uh, Nightwolf's Teddy Bear's Picnic from Mortal Kombat 11. Shaman warrior Nightwolf slathers his stumbling opponent with honey, and a giant grizzly bear, two times the size of a man, leaps into the arena and swipes the front of his body off with a paw swipe. He then sits there, licking his gory paws, while the back half of the body wobbles around in the background before falling over. (laughs) Okay. 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 And last up, we have the Terminator's Time Sphere from Mortal Kombat 11. 
this is the Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, shoots his opponents in both knees so they fall to the floor. He then summons a time sphere from the film and teleports the body through time, cutting it off at the knees. The opponent then arrives in the bleak future world of the Terminator without their feet and crawls around a bit before an army of Terminator skeleton robots arrive and laser them in the chest, causing their (laughs) ribs to explode all over the screen. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Just like in the film. Just like in the film. I remember the announcement of the Terminator being in it. I remember. I know the, the Terminator is in it. Um, but is the... I, okay. I okay? I'm going to say proud mother. That just feels like a Simpsons scene. Yeah, that I was going to say. It's almost like, too sort of whimsical. That feels like a Matthew sense of humour. Oh. So I'm glad we're both. It's so the only we... one that doesn't make me feel existentially ill. <laughs> so the mother one, and then the I mean, other this was, two. This is Mortal Kombat 2011, so it's a little while ago. They were a bit gentler back then, if that fact is what you're thinking. <laughs> the, okay, th- so Shao Kahn's proud mother is definitely made up. Uh, the Of the other two, of the other four left, the other two that I'm I'm sort of iffy on, uh, the bubblegum head balloon and the bear and the honey and licking, you know, its gore-covered paws. <laughs> same, same, actually. I, I mean, the bubblegum's kind of in character, I guess. Yeah. The bear's really throwing me, man. Like... The bear, like the smother, the covering in honey, yeah. Uh... No, that was the only other one with like a name, like a, a, a fun name. Yeah, I will. Uh, again, these are just what the fans call them. They're not their actual names. Oh it's, no, the the bear, the bear one. It's, it's got a bit of whimsy there as well. The bubble gum is gr- gruesome. Yeah, I, basically, this hinges on whether I think Matthew could have made up the bubble gum thing. <laughs> I think he's too pleasant. Yeah. Go on, okay. I'll, I'll. 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 What do you want? Death by bear or? Or your head booted into your grandma's house. Uh, well, I mean, I'd selfishly, I'd take the proud mother's house because I think that's completely fake, and I will survive that. I'll I'll go for the bear because you know at You'll least go for the bear. Okay, majest- majesty of nature. If I'm wrong. Okay. Well. Okay. Alice, uh, she's approached by Shao Kahn. He swings his fist at your head, and it passes clean through because it doesn't exist. Proud mother, yeah. of course. Too whimsical, and I'm kicking myself <laughs> for that. <laughs> uh, uh, as for Nate, Nate's there. Honey hits him. A paw swipes at him. It also passes through him because the bear does not exist. Yeah. It was also nonsense. I am not good at inventing fatalities. <laughs> we survived Mortal Kombat. You survived yes. Mortal Kombat. Um, oh, I think that's yeah. the first clean sweep we've had for a while. God damn it. Please leave. <laughs> <laughs> Says Goro. <laughs> this is not what the crowd came for. <laughs> Release Triumph the McAvoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Matthew. That was a good effort, but yeah, I think you're your efforts were just sort of too funny and yeah, not... too silly. I was thinking, I... I think I got I got infected by like injustice's silliness. Yeah, not enough an ironic gore. Yeah, but, uh, sterling effort. Thank you very much. Wow. Uh, and all that remains now uh, is for us to do recommendations because every week we recommend something that is not a video game. <laughs> Uh, so Matthew, what have you got for uh, I recommendations think, this week? I think I recommended a another Anthony Horowitz murder mystery before Christmas. Uh, yeah. The Moonflower Murders, maybe. I've been yeah. reading his other series, which are pretty meta, because his other series of books is about Anthony Horowitz, the author, being the sidekick to this fictional detective. <laughs> and it's really, it seems an excuse for Anthony Horowitz to talk a lot about 
how successful his other books are and like what it's like working on Foil's War and Midsummer Murders and things. Um, but it's really meta. Like there's a scene in, in the book, uh, it's called The Word is Murder, where he's like writing a draft of a, of a, of a Tintin movie for Steven Spielberg and Peter Jackson, uh, which he did do. And he's having this meeting. So Spielberg and Jackson are in the book. And then this fictional detective comes in and gives them all grief. And you're like, what? What's going on? This is mad. Like you've written this imagined scene where this detective upsets Steven Spielberg and you get fired off Tintin. <laughs> it's really odd. Um, a bit of a, a sort of ego trip, I think. But it's you know, quietly entertaining in its own way. <laughs> nice. But... Uh, I'm going to make up reasons that I was fired from things that are like, it wasn't my fault. It was the detective. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, this week, I am going to recommend uh, NetGalley, which is a um, a website, a service uh, where you can rec- basically publishers want to get a sense of what people like and don't like about books that are imminently coming out and to sort of build up good positive review steam before they're released. So, and I thought the NetGalley was just for like reviewers or other publishing industry people or other authors or whatever, but it's not. Anyone can sign up to it. It's really? Free. It's free and you sign up to NetGalley and you can request uh, early review copies of books. There are loads on there um, and they will send you a copy of the book um it will be an e like a, either a pdf or you can get uh e-reader copies that you can send straight to your e-reader from the service and then then you just get to read the book early uh in exchange for leaving a review on netgalley and they also ask you to leave the reviews on amazon and stuff as well once the book is published uh mm. yeah so it's like a it's like a it's like a cheat for getting free books. That's unbelievable, and getting them early. That's so early. handy to know. Thank you. So I got uh, Matthew before we started recording mentioned the new Janice Hallett book, um, which is called The Twyford Code. I read that six months ago, mate. Unbelievable. You know? Yeah. So I don't understand it because, like, there must be a limit to it because otherwise you won't buy the book, right? Yeah, so they do sort of first come, first served. Sometimes we're only doing, you know, we're only giving out 100 copies of this or whatever for very anticipated ones. And I assume um, that if you don't deliver on the review front, you're like, you know, off the list. Yeah, they you have to, they, they suggest you keep your, um, your return at about 80%. Otherwise, people won't want to give you their copies of books, basically. But mm. yeah, check out NetGalley. Um, uh, Nate, what have you got to recommend this week? Well, folks, it's a double from me. Uh, first of all, I'd like to recommend the high-spec uh, brand corded rotary power tool uh, <laughs> kit and accessories. Uh, very, very good. Comes with um, rotary cutters, about eight kinds of drill heads, sanders, polishers, buffers. Very, very good. And then, of course... Uh, there's the Dremel MS20 Moto Saw Scroll Saw, two-in-one compact table saw and fret saw, 70 watts. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Thank you very much. Uh, keep us updated on the status of your tank. <laughs> God, it, it's gone from one type of tanks to another with me, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, for now, gentle listener, that's uh, all we have time for. Thank you so much for listening to this uh, episode 172 of the Electronic Wireless Show, Rock Paper Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion. This was the best finishing moves in game special. Uh, Don't forget, if you would like uh, an extra chunk of us bantering every month, you can sign up to become a supporter and you'll get access to the Nate Files uh, supporters only podcast where Nate tells us about stuff. Last episode was The Vast and the Curious about <laughs> giant animals. Uh, but you can also check out Rock Paper Shotgun uh, on social media. Just search on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, and you will find us there. Uh, you can 
get in touch with us at the podcast by emailing podcast at rockpapershotgun.com. So Henry, uh, that is how you can get in touch with us. But for all your PC gaming needs, just go to www.rockpapershotgun.com. Uh, but for now, it's goodbye from me, Alice. It's goodbye from Finish Tim. Finish Tim. Ooh, very good. Uh, and it's goodbye from Immortal Wombat. Mortal Wombat! <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.